we are talking about the rest, about entering into rest. What did we talk about? Now, if you haven't, if you haven't heard all of those teachings, they're not online. Two of them are not online. You can reach out to me. I'll get you the links for those two teachings on the rest. Uh, anybody can have them if you want them. But we dove into the second church in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, Church of Smyrna. And, we, and the, the reward there is, do you remember what it is? Yeah. Power over the second death. The second death being cast into the lake of fire. Well, that's interesting. Because how many of you need power over that? Well, there's the power over the second death is simple. Enter into the rest of God. And that's all you got to do. If you enter into the rest, and you enter into what God is doing, you'll overcome. Now, a good example is what we just talked about with Pastor Dave and Connie. Did they enter into the rest? And you see, there's, there's different progressions of rest. We've talked about that. Israel entered into rest even in the Old Testament when they entered into the promised land. But it, was, it wasn't the final rest. They still dealt with enemies. But if you, if you think right now about what God can do in your life, you can enter into a place of rest many different times and many different scenarios. And what happens is, I'm going to read this in uh, Revelation chapter 2. And I'm going to start in verse 8. Wave at me when you got it. And we're going to read again this second church. And I want to show you what happens in your thoughts. Okay? Revelation chapter 2 verse 8 says, Unto the angel of the church in Smyrna, write these things, says the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. Basically, he who died and came to life. The one that is first and last who died and rose again. Who's that? Jesus. So is he talking here? He's talking to the angel of the church of Smyrna. Verse 9. I know your works and your tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. Now that's interesting, isn't it? Let me, I'm going to get on that in a second. I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the, of the synagogue of Satan. So pay attention here. Your tribulation and your poverty, you're struggling here because tribulation is here. Tribulation. Poverty is the poverty of the world, but you're rich in God, rich in faith. And those that blaspheme the will of God, think about who they are. Who's he say they are right here? The ones that say they're Jews and they're not, they're, they're actually of the synagogue of Satan. And so we said this the other night in, in the new Testament, when Jesus showed up in the earth, who was there to oppose him? What True, Satan. But who in the images were there to oppose him? The false Jews? 
who Jesus said, you're of your father, the devil. Where did they meet every Sabbath day? In the synagogues. But the synagogues they met in, it was a, in a, a habitation of devils. Because they always brought who with them? And so when they, when they entered in there to worship God, they actually did it in blasphemous ways. That's, that's on another level we have to talk about. But notice something here. When they spoke the evil, they spoke against Jesus. Everything Jesus did, they spoke against him. They spoke to deny him. They spoke to say he was not of God. They spoke to say he was wrong. Those Pharisees who called themselves Jews, who met in a synagogue to worship God, actually was not worshiping God. Because they accused everything Jesus did. That's interesting to me. Now here's what I want to know. In your life, in your everyday life, the word of God is in you. But have you noticed who's always there to oppose the word of God in you? See, because we battle between the thoughts of good and the thoughts of evil. They're there. They're in us. And when God placed a world in you, because that's what's in you. You ever heard the terminology? Ah, you're in your own world. Yeah. (laughs) You know where people got that. God put a world of imagination in every person. So you've got a world in you. And in that world, what's going on in that world? If you've got the Lord in you, this same thing is going on in you, in your world right now. The word of God is there, and yet the thoughts of Satan is there to oppose it. And so what happens when those thoughts of Satan come to oppose the word of God in you, will there be tribulation? There will be. Will they try to blaspheme the name of the Lord? They will. Let's keep reading verse 10. This is good. Fear none of those things which you will suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be tried and you shall have tribulation 10 days. Be faithful unto death and I will give you a crown of life. He that has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says unto the churches He that overcomes shall not be hurt of the second death. Isn't that so cool? But what does that tell us? Are we going to be tried? Are you going to be cast into prison? See, if you're thinking physical prison, you already missed it. What happens is because you know, when the word of God comes and is teaching you and raising you up, who is there to stand against the word of God in you? Every lust you have, every fear you have, every condemnation you have, every lie you have, every spirit of the world you have in you is there to oppose the word of God. You know why? The word of God will live by truth and not lies. The word of God will live by joy and peace and it won't live by hatred and division. It'll it'll live by truth and so when the lie comes against it wants to oppose the truth in you because well that's what it does 
And that's what God made it for. What's it there to do? You have got to be tested, John. If you are going to overcome the second death, you've got to be tested. And how does God allow that? He'll let Satan come and test you. Isn't that interesting? And you know, it's, it's a thing about the 10 days. There's not a whole lot about the 10 days in the Bible, but there's a scenario that's very interesting to me. Remember when the prophet Daniel got taken to Babylon because Israel was sinning against God and Israel ended up in Babylon, an enemy. They're in Babylon and Daniel is a very wise man and they say, well, you need to eat everything the king provides. And Daniel says, no, we're not eating what the king provides. We're going to basically fast and eat what we want for 10 days. 10 days. He tested. Will I eat of the king's table or will I trust God? What did he do? He trusted God. And what the Bible say about Daniel and his companions they were healthier, better, looked fairer and everything than, than everyone else who was eating from the king's table. There's parables all, all lined into this. Was he tested? Did he set the stage? The prophet Daniel, if you read his book, do you realize that everything the king did and said in order, Daniel said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to live for God and trust him. Daniel set the stage of living for God. And he was tested. 10 days he tested it. And said God is faithful. So everything you put me through. I'm not even worried about it. And here. In this church. You have another example of being tested. 10 days. In prison. Will you be faithful? Will you be faithful unto what? Death. In other words. What are you dying to Megan? You're dying to self, you're dying to the sin, you're dying to the spirit of the world, you're dying to the lies, you're dying to the fear, and you're living with Christ. So here's my question. When you're tested, like our good friends in Boise, will you make it through the test? Will you stand strong and say, you know what? God has visited me and shown himself true. I have passed the test and I am raised with him in glory. Will, will that be you? Will that be me? Will that be our church? <laughs> That's awesome. And we say, yeah, yeah, it will be. Yes, it will be. And we're, we're walking through a journey here and the Lord is showing us, Debbie, how do you enter into the rest? Well, when you're tested, you deny that. You die up to that and live unto the Lord and you enter into the rest. How easy is that? Now what I've learned is when the test comes and you don't know what's going on, how easy is it to fall? I'm trying to give you the finish line so that in prophecy you go, I see what's ahead of me. So that while I'm tested, I know what the end is. Now, isn't that sound like God? 
So God says, if you are tested and overcome, you'll have power over the second death. That's a pretty good reward. You mean not entering into the lake of fire? That's a good reward. Wearing a crown in the kingdom of God? That's a good reward. Let me read one more thing. Give me over to James 2 and 5. And I'm going to read this, and this will be the last I read today for you. James 2 and 5. Check out the scenario that, that the Apostle James is talking about here. Hearken, my beloved brethren, has not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to them that love him? Hey, what did he say to the second church? Yeah, he said, you have poverty, but you're rich. What is he saying to them? What, look at this. What is James saying? See, the Lord was telling this church, you're being tested, but look, you're not in poverty. You're just in poverty to the world. But in faith, you're rich. You're rich in faith. That's why you're going to pass the test. That's why when you're tested, you can stand your ground because you know you're rich. And I'm not building my kingdom in the world. Is that what Jesus said? He said, I'm not building my kingdom in the world. I'm building it in the kingdom of God. Therefore, my treasures are in heaven. I'm rich in faith. It, now, look at that. Heirs. To the promise, heirs to the kingdom and the promise, because why? Oh, God loves them. The Lord loves you. And so he's given you a promise that, that you'll be rich in faith. Listen to me. Every word of God you receive is, is building up your riches. So well, God owns a cattle of a thousand hills. Look at that parable. Well, how many of you are in the Lord? Who owns? Well, tell me, at least you own some cattle on one hill. <laughs> what about two or three? How about a thousand? And that's awesome, man. And so let's keep reading. But you have despised the poor. But you have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you? Draw you before the judgment seats? Notice, see the, see the persecution and the um, trial? Notice how that the rich, those rich in the wisdom of the world. The, now listen to me. Once again, think inward right now. Some thoughts in you that are full of wisdom of the world, what does it do? It is meant to persecute the word of God in you. And the rich of the world calls those in faith in poverty. The rich of the world cannot understand how a person could have such faith in God. And you know what? God doesn't even try to explain it. He hides it from them. And that's the glory of God. He'll hide all his secrets of the eternal realm from those that think they know it all. And the rich will persecute the poor. 
Shoot, even in our parable we see that. The rich are high-minded and the poor have nothing, no defense. But see, in the church of Smyrna, he says, poverty's there, but you're rich. Why? Because you're rich in faith. So don't think in the impoverished mindset. Think in the rich. Because the rich will bring you before the judgment seats and judge you and try you. Verse 7 says, do, not they, do they not blaspheme that worthy name by which you are called? Let's stop there. Don't they blaspheme the name by which you are called? Isn't that what we were reading in Revelation 2? What does those who are false Jews do? They blaspheme. What does the man of sin do? He blasphemed. What does the beast in Revelation 13 do? It blasphemes. What's the mother of harlots in, in uh, Babylon got across the name? Blasphemy. Wow. The little horn in the book of Daniel, the little horn blasphemes, speaks. The comparison here is, is that the man of sin that works in you is always trying to blaspheme the word of God that comes in you, that works in you. Defend yourself. Defend yourself against it. Do not let him overcome you. Now, you will have to die to it. And he may feel a victory in that. But see what, what the blasphemer don't realize is the power of resurrection. Because when you die with Christ, what are you going to do? You're going to raise with him. And so today, I'm going to wrap this up. Today, it's real simple for me. When I look at what's happened with, with our elders and what God has done and what God is continuing to do and then what he's doing among the people and I watch God allow this testing and this tribulation to take place and it can, it's over and over and it happens a lot and people are put in prison and thoughts arise that forsake God. God comes in and says, hang in there, hang in there. Be truthful, be faithful unto the death. And I'll give you a crown of life, Nancy. Marty, I'll give you a crown of life. And that's what he does. And when he does, and when he does, and you wear that crown, all of those accusers in your heart and in your thoughts erased. Erased. What I say is that can happen today. That can happen now. That can happen in your life tomorrow. That can happen in your life Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and so on. You know why? Because God's called us all to that place. Hasn't he? Oh, what do you think about that? Isn't that awesome? Did you raise your hand? Oh. Well, you can. What do you guys think about that? Very Hasn't this been, I mean, the, the word of the Lord has done some great things among us. Yes. Hasn't he? Yes. And you watch, if you get into people's lives among us, you watch what God's doing in people's lives. He's raising people up. He's healing them. And I'm telling you, people, I'm watching people that have been tormented day and night 
God come in and speak a word of truth to them and heal their mind instantly. I, I'm blown away by this, what I'm seeing. Some others are progressive. Some you teach the word of God to and they believe it and believe it and believe it and healing and healing and healing. Next thing you know, they're walking around like nothing ever happened. That's what I like to see, man. Because I'm, I'm the type of person of this. I've grown up in church my whole life. It either works or it doesn't. And that's kind of where I'm at. If it does work, I'm with it. If it doesn't work, then what are we doing here? But if it works, then John, I'm all in, aren't you? You're in too, right? Same boat. That's why they call it fellowship, right? How many want to join in with us on this? You already have, aren't you? I'm just reminding you is all I'm doing. Stand to your feet today. Listen, does anybody have anything you want to say here today? What about thankfulness? I mean, hearing testimonies like this is pretty amazing. And so here's, what, here's why in my perception, once again, I don't think any man or woman in this physical world is beyond attack. I don't think any man or woman in this world is beyond being tempted to fail. But I know this. If they love God, they will overcome. Every single time, Marty. Every time. Every time. And that's what we live for. Isn't that true? Well, pray with me. Lord, I thank you today. Your word has been good. Your word is truth and it's healing and it's life. We're going to pass the test. Every trial, every temptation, every tribulation, every burden, every hindrance, we're going to pass this test. And I thank you for putting us there so that we can overcome and be, and be seen and understand within our own hearts that we are the conquerors of of wickedness, of sin, of lies, will reign with you. And while many don't believe that truth, Lord, today we're going to believe it. We're going to stand in it. We're going to let it visit us and live forever with you. In Jesus' name, amen. You love the Lord this morning? Go out of here happy, okay? God bless you.